Hello, uh, you're listening to the Consequential Podcast with me, Lucy Boys. Hi. Roger Hart. Hey. Roger, what have you been reading? Um, I have been reading, um, what have I been reading? For the theme, I dip back into some old stuff, um, we'll talk about it later. Um, and fresh stuff, I have been reading Greek Street, uh, I can't remember who wrote that. That was uh, Peter Milligan and David Jean-Felis, I believe is how you pronounce the artist's name. But something like that. Um, it's alright, talk about it in a sec. Um, Will of the Wisp by... Um, Will of the Wisp by Tom Hammock and Megan Hutchinson. Um, I wish my surname was Hammock. Probably not. Probably not. That's, Tell that's a recipe for an unfortunate childhood. Um, Moon Knight about, and... Tell us about Will of the Wisp. Oh, sorry, yes. You so, don't have to, you can just list them all over on if you prefer. Yeah, let's put this whole torrid thing behind us. No, no, Will of the Wisp is... So I saw it in Dave's Comics in Brighton. Lovely, lovely shop. Um, the other week. And... Actually, Kit, my partner, picked it out. I kind of—it was on one of their display tables, and I was too busy looking through other stuff. They've got a really good table of, of cool stuff. Um, I just fucking love comic stores for serendipitous discovery. But it's—it's it's published. Do you remember the the original bindings of series of unfortunate events? Small yes. format, yeah. dark hardback. Yeah, it's it's actually got a similar tone to that. Um, it, it's kind of series of unfortunate events with voodoo. Well, who did? But it's, it's a beautifully published little thing uh, with a sort of clasp binding and things. It, it's, um, it's the story of Aurora Grimion, Grimneon, something like that. A little girl, early teens, her parents um, made a pasta sauce with poisoned mushrooms by mistake and died terribly. And because she didn't like mushrooms, she only ate the sauce and survived. Um, Those are some very non-porous mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Mm, indeed. And... Um, is sent to live with her last remaining relative, uh, whose name I've forgotten because I read it all in a rush last night, on Ossuary Isle in the Louisiana swamps, which is a tiny, uh, it's a graveyard island, and the swamp is full of kind of wrecked steamboats and failed railroads ploughed into the swamp, and kind of... So it's a whole load of southern gothic tropes slammed on top of one another. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a fucking mad southern gothic collage, and it works. The, um... The kind of hoodoo priestess of the island is a sort of slightly caring mother figure. Her grandfather is a fairly generic, crotchety scientist of unspecified stripe. There's some tragedy in the past that comes back to haunt them in the form of a sort of murderous spirit that they have to fight, and that constitutes the story. Bit of a love interest, tragic twist. It's It's visually very beautiful. It looks a bit like a slightly sketchier version of the art in The Kindly Ones. A bit more lurid. Um... Very, very nice, very good fun. It's, it's pitched at uh, young adults, late teens, but doesn't feel like it. I mean, you know, it, it stays off the big words and the crazy syntax, but it's fairly thematically adult. It's, You'd it's, recommend it broadly? I, I absolutely would. I enjoyed it tremendously last night. It's, it's beautiful. Um, quite well written. Some of it's a little bit cliche, but, that's, but not problematically so. Some of the character voices could stand to be a bit more distinct, and there's a plot strand that could use a bit more fleshing out. Um, her kind of hesitant first steps romance with a local boy just feels like it could have had a bit more going on there before it's tragically curtailed. Is it? I was going to say, is it a first volume? But I'm guessing it's for that storyline at least. No, it's framed as one. Um, like the subtitle is an Aurora Grimian story, so it sounds like they've left it open to do another one if they want to. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the two people working on it, I think, work both work in film production. Okay. And the sort of visual showiness and how very well measured that is, probably, you, you could, yeah. That there's an eye for a scene, definitely. And the pacing is, I wouldn't say filmic, but I, I read it thinking this would work on screen. Um, very, very good. I've, I've always had a soft spot for Southern Gothic. Um, this is a nice piece of it. Similar, I do for anything that's um, touching on voodoo, but looking at the sort of folk origins rather than mm. um, live and let die. Yes. Um, which is a this, little cartoonish. And this isn't racist. That's always, that's always, I like that in things that I read. Mm. I like that um, in things in general. Just it's um, Stuff that ain't racist is good. Yeah. The bad guy, uh, there's a one. Sorry, panel. racists. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sorry, it's. I'm, I'm cool with not liking those dudes. Yeah, actually, I am as well. Yeah. I think me too. Fuck those guys. But, um. You had it here first, folks. Fuck racism. Shouldn't have been so racist. The, the bad guy, this kind of spirit, is, it's a, a murderous drifter who um, is rejected by the devil when he ends up in hell, and there, which is like it's been done before. It's kind of basically. You're too much of a bastard, off you fuck. It's like 85% of Tom Waits' songs. Yeah. But there are, there are some gorgeous panels on the way. Um, he doesn't have spare change to pay the ferryman, so just snaps his neck, rows the boat himself. Right. <laughs> Pretty dark for a nominal kid's book. Yeah, kids can deal with a bit of that. Of course they can, and it's just, it irritates me that people often don't think so. Um, no, it, it's good. It, it's genuinely good. I would recommend it. Okay. Um, unlike Greek Street, which is the one of the other things I've been reading, which I would kind of half-arsedly, limply maybe recommend, but it's not coherent. Yeah, well, I think we're talking about myth this week, so we can go into that later. But and I've also I do want to be a A bunch of what uh, what you described on the last podcast. I touched on this stuff as pretentious douche nozzle books about literature, because um, I did because a lot of the um, that does sound like something I would say. Well, a lot of the, the theme stuff uh, for this week um, made me think about a bunch of stuff I studied, and I got nostalgic about it and dipped back into some of that. Um, and then I grabbed some singles off you and read the first Moon Knight and um, the first Sex Loki. Yes, which I think we've all read, so let's pile on. We have on, all read those. Pile on. This is the first time ever, maybe, that we've all read like a piece of thing. reading in the same week. Yeah. Oh, I, I do like the Sex Loki. Do you? We'll talk yeah. about that first. So. I was lukewarm or possibly Loki warm. The, um, oh. Sorry. You, you've been sitting on that one, haven't you? Did you, did, did you find it low-key? Oh. There's been a lot of Loki You don't in my get life. to make that joke because. Right, in American Gods, there's a character called Loki Lysmith. I'm, I'm aware of this. And Roger did not get that this it was. It took me like Loki. 300 pages to notice. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, this is a, you know, so damning indictment this. of Roger more than yeah. anything. Okay, so what, what. I mean, so you don't normally read Marvel books? I don't normally read Marvel, so the thing that I hated the most of all, they put fucking adverts in the middle of the comic. Oh, don't read singles. One of the main reasons not to read no, singles is No, but seriously, full of why shite. the fuck would you do that? Just, are, they, are they familiar with flow, with how readers They have read? no respect for their readers. Oh my god. It made me want to so punch things and people. So you don't get that with digital. True. Which is... True. Or waiting to buy the trades. Or waiting to buy the trades. This is a particular issue with print singles, which um, a lot of creators... I mean, to be fair, the market relies on them to drive profits, and things that don't sell well as singles don't make it to trade, mm. which is incredibly infuriating, because you see a lot of people trying to drive you to buy both. But 
that's an issue with the format more than the, the true, book true. itself. True, so, true. So the book itself, the, the singles themselves. I enjoy the cutesy jokes, but I just don't... The Avengers generally don't do it enough for me. And these particular... I mean, I guess it's... So my only familiarity with it is from the movie. Yeah. Um, slash movies. And I found the Avengers as portrayed in this a bit two-dimensional. They are compared to this, that because they've got about two lines each. Yeah, and I think I get the impression Loki doesn't have a lot of time for them either. I just, yeah, it just, it just didn't quite work for me. So I think it's safe to say that if you don't like superhero comics at all, that's not gonna, not gonna work. No, it was kind of fine. I didn't object to it. It was reasonably diverting, but I'm not desperate to read issue three. Yeah, it's got a sort of Buffyish tone. I think it's it's that sort of. It's got the it's the cutesy pop culture references yeah. definitely. Yeah. And I think it's done a good job of picking up on Kill- uh, Gillen's Loki. Yeah, so it follows on directly from Young Avengers, which which I'm not familiar several with. Several of us have enjoyed, but. So I'm, I'm, I'm intending to get the weird mental young Avengers place there, and now I can't tiny get that out of my young. head, and that uh-huh. would be amazing. Yeah, tiny, yeah, just running around, just the first vestiges of a beard, mm, just fucking shit fight, out. fighting archetypes of yeah. various sorts, um, which is actually probably what comic books are, but never mind. Um, I think that's it. We've solved. We've solved superhero comics. We can go home. Cool. Saves us another uh, podcast down the line. So, you, Roger, you're more familiar with. Sort of the background of the character and and uh, the general setting. I find its explanation of his motivation good, but well, I, I want to say simplistic, but it's not. It's um, it's just that you spend the whole of um, Young Avengers and some of the stuff before that gradually finding it out, and in order to catch you up, they just dump it out on the page, and that's and I know it's going to get more, I know it's going to get more complicated. To an extent, they do. And it's fine, it's fine, and I love the twist at the way. Is, is it a twist? I don't know, the thing at the end of the first volume, the first issue. There's a thing. There's a thing. Yeah. Out of interest, the character who cannot be lied to. Yes. Does she appear elsewhere? She's a new character. Okay. Because I really liked her. I would like to see a thing that focuses on her. Because the Loki bit was kind of a distraction for me. That, that was the one thing I really connected with as was a reader, her. was her. A sort of non, or notionally not superpowered character in this world. Yeah, but just has a really interesting trait, and it's a thing you could do a lot of different things yeah. with, and I mm. like that. It has potential as an idea. I suspect she's going to be one of the main cast members for this. Is this in issue two? Yes. Right. So sorry. I no, Spoilers. I read like the first three pages at my desk this morning, and then realised that I did technically have a job. Yeah, I read them at my desk yesterday morning, and it was fine. Mm. I read them at home, like. A real grown-up. Keep their job. Yeah. yeah. I love my job. I just read a little bit of comic. So the other the other one that came out this week was Moon Knight, which, which basically oh, I this forced was, you. This was fun. I forced you both to read a couple of jumping on points to see how you mm-hmm. cope with them to people who weren't reading any other ongoing comics. Yeah. So um, from the way it treated its so from the way it carried itself, I got the impression that. Um, this was a very sharp reboot and the previous Moon Knight comics were probably bollocks I think that's entirely fair Um, there have been some great um, there have been some great writers working on the character like it's always been one of those characters that's been sort of a writer's character Um, it was sort of created in the 70s as a Batman spoof and then sort of took off and got 
gradually accumulated this sort of huge ridiculous myth around it and sort of a lot of unreliable narrator stuff which made it genuinely confusing to anyone who hadn't caught up um, it gets points and, for not ripping off Cowboy Ninja Viking yes um, they could do that so it's it's um, never really been out of print for that long as a character for most of the last 10-15 years because there have been two sort of fairly substantial runs on it the last one by Bendis who did quite a lot before it got quietly shuffled off um, so despite being like an absolute third tier character there's always been a lot to draw on and yeah this seemed like clearing house to a certain extent trying to make something comprehensible out of a very confused character that's had his origin rewritten about four times well I loved I loved three and, and they sort of play with that with people yeah. different people telling you his story um, I love broadly speaking three things about it um, the design the style, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah. The um, thing at the end with the bird-headed guy and just the little yeah tonal turn on its heel it does for the final two or three pages. That was great. Um, and the fact that it's the first almost caricaturedly Warren Ellis Warren Ellis we've had in a while. And I've got a soft spot for that stuff. Yeah, it doesn't suffer for that. Um, I, I will take the piss out of Warren Ellis's reliance on certain tropes quite a lot and they're all in this comic but I enjoyed it it's nice to well, see the grumpy old bastard doing it again it's got an ex-special forces really nasty cyborg who's gone absolutely fucking crazy and has some mad self-justifications um, speechifying a little bit before being just having his ass handed to him on yeah, a plate let's be honest but in, a, in quite a subtle non-overt combative way yeah. it's like I mean the sec- is it the second issue of Global Frequency The Ring that has the really gross cyborg. It's got a lot of that stuff in it. Uh, at least this one doesn't hasn't reduced the only purposes of his life to the fact that there's a wire in his brain that gives him an erection when he kills people. Yeah, it's a lot less glib than some of that. Um, so, Lucy, you, you prefer this to Loki? I did prefer this to Loki. So, if I had to rank things in order of interest based on these three singles that I read this week at your prompting... Um, the most interesting thing was the No Lies Girl from Loki. The second most interesting thing was Moon Knight as a whole, and then Loki, kind of the story, was the least interesting thing to me. Um, I have never read anything by Warren Ellis, so I have no idea how representative this is. It's a bit like that. This is like everything he does, okay. concentrated. Um, I enjoyed it. He, he often writes stories about what happens to ex-soldiers, and particularly spies, when they are no longer useful. Mm-hmm. That was in there. He often um, he often does stories where whereby is this like you know, the they've got a little grid on the Wikipedia page for John Irving, which just plots his books against his tropes and tells you what's in what. Quite possibly, you could, you could draw one. You could definitely do it. The finest um, is the finest of the kind of what happens to discarded assets is um, Desolation, uh, Desolation Jones, Jones. Okay. which is a really good exploration of that. Yeah. Um, the authority does it a bit as well and planetary mm-hmm. um, it's a thing that's always there um, I mean planetary is probably my favourite comics yeah okay but, but no I enjoyed it you mentioned the design um, yes Stecklin, Shelby and Geordie Belair doing the artwork dream team yeah and it's I'm sure someone else must have done this before but probably not in anything so overtly mainstream um, for, anyone, for anyone that's not seen it you've got well done fairly conventional comics 
against which Moon Knight turns up, and he's basically unshaded, uninked. I don't know what would, what would we call it. He's uncolored. Uncolored. He's he's, got, he so just looks like line work in the middle of the room. Yeah. So he stands out as entirely stark. Mm. Because he's in a white suit and, and all of that jazz. Um, it works really, really well. There's a really fun setup as well, where whereby this sort of off uh, off screen voice, which you presume to be whoever's in charge of the Daily Bugle, is sort of explaining how there's you know a task force out to find urban vigilantes in the street and how they're going to stop Moon Knight and all of this, and then he walks up to him and says good evening, and they just let him through, um, yeah. which was just a nice little mm. a nice little touch. It sort of set up this potential conflict, and then just went nope. Not doing that. And it gives us a, a tone and a feel and a setup for the whole thing. So, mm. yeah. It's also part of the nod, nod and a wink, he's sort of Batman thing. Um, yes. Yeah. But he's obviously, or at least at the beginning in the comic, he's going to be given the space to play out certain things on his own terms. Yes. And that's kind of cool given what they what they go on to do with it. What, what, what I did think was interesting was, so you've got the, the sort of the uncoloured line work Moon Knight as he moves through the thing being very visibly different to everything else until you get to that little pivot not pivot the little thing at the end the last couple of pages where you hear what may or may not be going on with him there's a degree of unreliability and then fucking Bird Skull dude who is in a very similar visual idiom to Moon Knight he's not as aggressively uncoloured but the fact that it's kind of just he ceases so to, similar. Sort of ceases to be the avatar at that point and actually starts to slip into the surroundings once the costume is not whole, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, which is for most of the part it doesn't look as though it signifies anything, but that's the one point at which it could potentially signify something. That was delightful. Anyway, that I think that was probably my favourite of the new things recently. And we have vague testimony there that even if you don't like superhero comics it might be a thing. Yeah. I don't. I wouldn't say I don't like superhero comics. I like a very certain subset of superhero comics yeah. in very certain settings. I'm going to add it to Hawkeye and Superior Foes of Spider Man as my weird little grubby corner of the Marvel Universe that I will bother to read. Mm-hmm. I think also it's yet another example of Marvel's attempt to pull their fingers out of their ass and make actually good, accessible jump on comics. I think they're genuinely good at this. So I think even if even if you didn't particularly enjoy Loki, it's certainly comprehensible. Yes, definitely. Um, I mean, even, even the... I, I would hate the interspersed advertising less if it were just less ugly and visually busy. Yes. And it's often given what... I'm just going to be grossly snobby for a moment. Given what we're going to read, they're going to be interrupting us with something shit? Yes. I object to that. When it's presented to me in a way I just can't really pass mm. and looks like a turd. It was so bad in Loki as well because it was a different paper size and quality, these like thick cardboardy foldouts. Yeah. What the fuck is wrong with you people? Also, if you if you're reading left to right, left hand page comic, right hand page advert, why? Assholery. Assholery is why. Ugh, terrible user experience. Fuck you, Marvel, sorry. No, that's fine. It's the same in pretty much all um, all singles. Image don't do that. That's um, nice. And I think um, Boom put them all at the end. They have like four pages. Yeah, put them all at the end is fine. I understand that you were going to want to sell page space in your 
own properties just don't fucking mix it up with your content this was the worst I'd seen it in a while though so I went back over some old um, singles last night because I wanted to look at the um, abortive virgin media stuff and I ended up getting distracted and looking at um, a few other bits and pieces and yeah this is by far the worst I've seen in a long time okay that's an interesting data point for me yeah it's not great mm. but no that's that's me that's stuff I've read the so boys I, mm. um, so I read the comics we just talked about yeah um, I read Delilah Dirk and the Turkish left or loot Lieutenant, Lieutenant, yes. Uh, is, is it an American thing? It's, or? it's American. Okay, and we'll go with Lieutenant. But it's certain, she's English. It's, That's true, uh, uh, but Americans. Yeah. It seems to be kind of an Anglophile, the next one's set in England. Okay, that's fine. And the legs on the cover were weirdly Rob Liefeldy. They didn't look like human legs. I think, that, yeah. This is a thing that both me and my partner and one of my partner's friends picked up on just looking at Did the it book. Come out we're of just... Liefeld. <sighs> <sighs> Let's take that as an opportunity to get some more wine. Oh, yes. So, this evening, we have a... Um, a fairly standard Chilean Carmenera. Um, but it's benefited from being warmed up. This is... Um, it's big, it's round, it's fruity. It's one of the connoisseur ones. They're, um, In case right. you were wondering, that noise is him pissing into a cup. <laughs> But it does still look like red wine. <laughs> He's got some problems inside of him. <laughs> His kidneys are just slurry. <laughs> if you do want a fairly um, a fairly standard big Carmenera for not very much money, this is £7 from a lot of supermarkets. This has been Wine Chat. Lucy? So Delilah Dirk, I enjoyed, but didn't love. I think that's fair. It's It suffers a little bit for... Pacing. Well, you, I think, talking to you about this earlier, you mentioned it could have been a bit more slapstick. There were yeah, missed the... opportunities for humour, and I just didn't get a massively emotional connection to any of what was happening, really. I don't know. I, so I sort of was sold on the friendship between the two main characters. Okay. I thought that worked. Um, a lot of it's sort of quite quiet and unspoken but you yes. sort of get the impression that they're both desperately lonely in very different ways yes and in very different lives and that worked for me um but if it didn't work for you then it didn't, it didn't work quite for work for me but uh, that's okay but yeah no the thing i was talking to you about it not being slapstick enough was that it has this sort of action adventure tone mm. And then occasionally the protagonists just straight up murder some fairly just normal looking people who aren't doing very much. Yeah. And it feels completely at odds. I yeah, the, the, the violence is totally weird. Yeah. It feels like... It feels like it's, you know, an old Zorro film and then suddenly people die horribly rather than getting something carved into the shirt or... Yeah. Um, as they've carved into the wall. It just, it just feels totally... Mm. Uh, inconsistent. Yeah, inconsistent. And slightly incoherent. Yeah. I would go as far as... But I really liked it for what it's trying to do, um, which is a sort of female-led adventure story yeah. without without a romance plot. Yes. Um, and without necessarily relying on the male character for anything either. Yeah. Is it a bit like Bandette? Uh, it's not that much like Bandette, no. So it's, it's very much sort of in the sort of style of the... Uh, Victorian to early 20th century lone adventurer mm. um, it's Indiana Jones, it's King Solomon's Mines it's that sort of thing, it's the adventure character picks up a slightly 
workshop, uh, wet, bleh, workshop wet, slightly wet sidekick, and um, they go on adventures together, and it's hilarious because they're completely mismatched. Um, he can't fly the flying boat, and this is funny. Yeah. But no, I did enjoy it. I enjoyed the art a great deal, and yes. the colouring was very much to my liking. Good what's palette. It, what's it like? Um, pretty. I don't have the vocabulary to describe it. Computery. Um, I'm okay yeah. with that. It's just quite bright and colourful, um, and fairly modern. Mm. Um, there's some really expansive scenes that look genuinely beautiful. Colourful but not aggressively colourful. None of the colours in it hit my nausea button, which for me is quite a big thing in a mm-hmm. colourful thing. Because that I've got some kind of thing going on with just certain colours make me feel really sick and I don't understand it. And it's probably just because I'm crazy. Mild, mild synesthesia? <laughs> so talking of um, computerized, yes. another thing I read was Steve and Steve. What is Steve and Steve? Steve and Steve is the story of Steve's jobs and of Wozniak ah. dropping acid together in the 70s which is a much better premise than the comic actually executed on, unfortunately. Ah, because it sounds like a terrible premise that could have a good comic hanging off it. Oh, really? Okay, we're taking this from different angles, then. Um, I hope not like the LSD, because, like, that's a bad suppository. Uh, stick it in your bum, you'll have a nice time. I don't know that that's a necessarily philo- true. A should, philosophy I live by. It should be pointed out that we are not medical professionals and that okay. in no way do we endorse putting LSD up your backside. But if you did, it would probably be something. Uh, something would, be something would certainly happen, yes. Just, you know, add powerful hallucinogens to mucous membranes and see what happens. Well, at the very least, you're going to have a lovely time peeling all that rice paper off your sphincter. That's very true. Just wait to poop it out later. I think it's rice paper. I think it's blotter paper. Yeah, it's actual paper. Are you getting LSD from Waitrose? (laughs) Well, where are you getting yours? From a weird guy hanging around outside the playground who's put smiley faces on it to attract me like all of those news stories in the 90s said would happen. Oh. It's okay, because I put razors inside your Halloween candy. I don't have any candy. Where's my, fu- candy. Where's my fucking I'll razor candy? I'll get some candy, but it's full of razors. I don't care. I'll pick around them. I'm, I am used to eating around the razors. Just a, a bleeding mouth surrounds made with chocolate. Yeah. That's a shame. Who doesn't love that? You must get a lot of blood matted into your beard. I probably do. How's Steve and Steve? Steve and Steve. Um, it had some interesting moments. I would have liked there to be more of it. There are currently only two chapters available. This is, this is online, this is a web thing. And his methods of creation are non-standard. Yeah, so I tried to read it and found... it's So it's, it's sort of 3D rendered models which are then have various effects plastered over them. I think I'm going to hate it. You probably would. I did not like the artwork at so all. So the... the um, Textual stuff, not the textual stuff. What's the word for it? Text? The thing that Eric Gill does. Typography. Typography. And fucking a dog. And fucking a dog. He did do that. He did fuck a dog. He did fuck a lot of dogs. Just one. Just the one he dog? He just fucked one dog a lot. Just oh, he one. fucked one dog a lot. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm, so, I'm which, sorry so, to the estate of Eric Gill. So which, sorry, does it have good dog fucking or good typography? Good typography. Right. Or at least it has interesting typography. Basically all the typography is borrowed from... Apple and various other oh. manuals of the time. It's, it's fucking Chicago. Yes. Chunky ass Apple font. A lot, from lot the of chunky. Back end of the 80s. Yeah, chunky stuff and. The original iPod font. 
When the oh, iPod yeah. still had buttons only, grubby little CDs as well. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Chicago is that font. So yeah, so I mean, it does a really good job of portraying Steve Jobs as a complete asshole, which by all accounts he was. Mm. So I enjoyed that. Was wasn't. No, was wasn't. Was was a really nice guy who, was, was. who made a mistake. He didn't mean to put that bomb scare in. That's the thing that happens in the comic. I'm uh, sorry for the spoilers. Okay, if you want to, if you want to find out why Steve wasn't out, might have blown something up. You should probably read it. You should probably read it. But if you're mm. going to get annoyed by computer-generated art, it's a little bit. Yeah. That I think I so reading it it seemed fine, but it, but I just couldn't get past it. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to say that it was bad, but I could not get past that art. Well, I mean, this is a we have all here found examples of art we can't personally get past, and they are yeah. all different for all of us. Mm-hmm. And it's something I started reading recently is kind of right on the borderline of that. Ooh. So Emma Vichelli has a new webcomic. Yeah. Um, I think it might be Yaoi, I'm not sure. It might just have lots of pretty boys. No, no, I'm fairly sure it's Yaoi. Um, pretty boys is kind of her shtick, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, she draws them very well. Okay. Um, and it's beautiful, she's doing it great. I can't remember what the damn thing's called, but we'll put it in the show notes. Um, she's great at sort of... So she started out sort of flat-out manga, and she's now got her own style, which is sort of on that sort of Emma Rios... Mm. Um, People called Emma style. Yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, she's got... It's manga, but it's her own thing distinctly, and it's mm. very pretty. I believe that um, Jane Austen's Emma was just doing the hour in her spare yeah, time. I assume. Just doodling away, little pointy dudes. He's just hastily hiding it under a cushion or something. Absolutely. No, it, it's visually gorgeous, but um, I'm not going to dwell on this. It's a high school romance, but what's really weird about it is that it's, it, it's just line work on slightly coloured paper, and I find it really, really hard to parse. Okay. The, the low contrast and the lack of kind of colouring, I, I actually find it genuinely hard to read. So this, this is where your visual processing yeah. shit comes in, because we yeah. talked about mine before, I right? mm. struggle with lots of lines and very busy stuff, so basically anything done in the early 90s is a no-go zone for me. But Whereas I can only... Mm. Listen out. I can only really... That kind of no-colour-in-the-boxes monochrome, the kind of just-the-line work with no shading, mm-hmm. that's sort of very minimal... You, you, Almost, almost XKCD with a fine pencil style minimal. Okay. Um, it's so much better than that sounds. It's genuinely that, that's good. That's good. Um, that's reassuring. It, it, it genuinely is very well done. But because it's on quite a... There's a tone to the background panels. It's not on flat white. Okay. Um, I, I genuinely find it hard to tell what's going on. It just looks busy in a way that it doesn't deserve to. Did you have that issue with um, Katie Green? Yes, to start with. I got my eye in quite quickly. This is quite early on. I think there's only four or five pages of it. Okay. In which case, it sounds like something I'd be interested in, but I'll probably come back to it when there's a bingeable chunk. I'll dig it up and send you a link. Okay, thank you. Sorry, Emma. She's not listening. Of course not. That's fine. So the other thing that I read this week was Mm. the Encyclopedia of Early Earth by Isabel Greenberg. Yes, which we talked about a couple of episodes back. Yes, this was something you kind of let me borrow. Basically um, forced. Well, well a, it was a quick read. The book is big, but so are the pictures. And that's a good yes. thing. Um, it was... Kind of fell into the same category of Delilah Dirk for me. I found it... Uh, so basically, the problem I've had with everything I've read this week, it's all been quite charming, but none of it's really grabbed me. Okay. And I don't know why that is. So Encyclopedia of did grab me... Um, 
there was just something about its coherence, the sense of humor in it, and it. So I loved the and thing the illustration that you, and it just the, blah, just yeah. The thing that you picked up on last time we talked about it, the the two sort of the sort of junior gods, the junior bird gods and the yeah. bird mythos, just wearing sort of snap-on beaks. Yeah, they look like they're doing it in a <laughs> in a school play. In a school or play. Okay. Yeah, exactly. that is lovely. It's, it's charming. Um, and yeah, the the map stuff was great. The majority of the stories I really liked, some of them just didn't do it for me. They felt they felt right. They felt like sort of oral tradition fables yeah. or myths and that's because a lot of them were just actually taken from the bible or Arabian yeah. nights but with um, a slight twist i mean the the yeah the little funny bits i really appreciated the sort of the three genius monkeys as well who were clearly just fucking idiotic monkeys <laughs> was delightful yeah it was it was delightful but it just didn't it just didn't get me in the heart place and i don't know why not so it it uh, gently charmed but didn't really uh, i would say that's fair that. i enjoyed it i would recommend it if that's what you're looking for but it didn't sort of it didn't sort of sit itself down in me in the deep bits. Right. Charming always feels to me, and maybe this is just a lingering effect of having read Brighter or Resisted too many times, but charming always feels to me like inherently damning with faint praise. I think there's a lot That's of things about a... you that are a mm. problem from reading Brighter Revisited too many times. That's very true. Broadly fair. Yeah. So that's not at all what I mean in this instance. When I say charming, I was genuinely delighted by it it yeah. it sort of lit up the kind of sparky that's what I wanted to clarify isn't yeah it, it lit up yeah, the sparky no, kind of front of the brain oh this is fun kind of thing but I just didn't didn't make me feel feelings and yeah so what you mean is there's a way of saying it which is like it's nice yeah that's not what I'm going yeah. for it is it seeks to charm I think that's what it's trying to do it's trying to be funny it's not shooting for profundity I don't think and it works on its yeah, own terms no so I but yeah, think. I mean, so I think probably my sort of area of interest, plus what I've talked about before, is enough to illustrate that I kind of need to feel feelings in order to really, really enjoy something on the kind of deep level, and I, this didn't do that for me. But that's not necessarily an indictment against it, because I very much enjoyed reading it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to very quickly tear through what I've read, because I've mostly read the same stuff as you guys. But um, also on the Marvel front, read Superior Foes of Spider-Man. What, what, um, that's, is that the, like, Z-list Spidey villain team-up soap? Yes. Yeah. Um, five genuinely appalling low-rent Spider-Man villains decide that they are going to team up um, to become the new Sinister Six, be sort of his most fearsome opponents, but really just do a bunch of bank jobs and, and drink beer and, and hang around and complain. And it's it's so, so it's kind of a social club more than an attempt at manipulating evil. Um, so there is the there is one of them who is basically trying to manipulate the others into doing stuff. But it is basically the private lives of a bunch of crappy Spider-Man villains while <laughs> they, um, yeah, while they try and pull off a big score. Does it go back over the crappy life choices that have led them to this place? Occasionally, yes. Occasionally, I think I yeah. might be delighted by that. I think you would probably enjoy it. It's so it sort of feels similar to Hawkeye in that it's doing street level stuff. It's all a little bit low rent and grubby. Um, it's fun. It's it doesn't take itself aim, too seriously. It doesn't take itself at all seriously. Good. It's aiming for it's aiming for jokes like most of the time. It is broadly a, a humorous comic, mm -hmm. and it plays around with bits of Spider-Man history, but you don't need to know. It's just really good fun. Mm -hmm. Um, I do love it when you get that, the whole 
play with context but don't require context. Yeah, yeah, it's good for that. It's another one that sort of step, come about as a um, stepping on point recently. So this is the first trailer that I've read. Well, the, so the, the current I one, like it. The current one is the current Spider Man is Superior Spider Man. Also a terrible title. Yes, but it's meant to be. It's um, worse than actually the title of this comic yes. that you just criticised. <laughs> yes, but this is this is the point. It's meant to be very very brief. Uh, Cliff Metz version. The supervillain Doc Ock has taken over Spider Man's body, and he's going to do it. He's going to be a hero, but he's going to do it better. He's going to be a superior Spider Man. Okay. And it's basically him having no notion of what sounds good, <laughs> or frankly, is good moral or decent. Trying to be a superhero, I could um, enjoy. Okay, that. this sounds interesting. Yeah, so it's it's basically an asshole trying to do the right thing. It's mixed. It's Dan I mean, Slott. That's who's, like a lot of my life. Yeah, it's Dan Slott who's a good writer. Um, I've mentioned his She-Hulk comic a few times <sighs> before. Hulk. He is. Did you just swoon over She-Hulk? A little bit. A little interesting. Bit, but it's great. And Pur. Um, swooning over and Pur to She-Hulk. That is the gayest you have ever been, and I should note that you're not having sex with a man right now. That's very true, he's not. <laughs> uh, if anyway, he was, it would be you. Superior foes is... So um, not. I would like, no. feel incesty at this point. Yeah. He actually hugged me the other day and then said it felt wrong. Really? Yeah. I think because I, think I lingered a bit long. Oh yeah, you just stayed in there, just just yeah, waited yeah. for your hearts to come together as they've always been destined to do. The fact that he was I'm writing Roger and Dave Slash again. Stop aren't writing I doing Roger and Dave Slash. I think the fact that he would he would hug someone, think it felt like a sibling, and still think it felt wrong suggests that he's got a lot of problems. He's an only child. Let's yeah. be honest. He doesn't really understand the sibling relationship for one. Yeah, but anyway, sibling so relationship sounds weird. It's a tiny human. You exploit them for your own ends. Sorry, oh. Ross. You're not sorry. I'm not sorry. That's my sister, by the way, folks. Oh. You have siblings. I do. One. You've got more than one. I've got lots, but we're Irish. That's how That's it works. True. Um, I also read uh, Just So Happens by Fumio Abata, um, who I believe this is her first comic. I think it's... Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's a lady. Um, and it's about a uh, Japanese designer slash publisher living in London and about her sort of sense of identity when uh, she's sort of called to go back to Japan for the first time in a while and sort of being torn between various different cultures and examining that. I might have seen that in a comic store. Yeah, it's, probably, it's, it's, it's being sort of pushed in sort of Indiish comic stores a lot recently. It's got a woman looking pale and wan on the cover. Is it sad comics? It's not particularly sad. It's more sort of... Ex- Exploratory of feelings, most of which are sadness because they're around death. Okay. But it's not like out and out miserable. It's actually oh, sure, processing sure, sure. and coping. Okay, no, no, that, that, um, that doesn't. Okay, for me, that's. I think what I meant by is it sad comics? Is it, is it something I would enjoy? Yeah, yeah. I think it is. It's um, it's got a beautiful watercolor style, which does a lot of stuff with a negative space. Um, and it's it's similar to Now of Brown in that respect, but it's mm-hmm. nowhere near as sort of densely layered as a narrative. Um, and the artwork is a lot cleaner and simpler but I can't really go into much more detail because it would spoil it it's actually quite a simple story with a lot of would you would you be so good as to render it up onto us sure yeah that would be great sure I'd like to get my little grubby hands on it so very quickly getting through the rest uh, Nemo Roses of Berlin which is the latest League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was it bollocks no it wasn't Um, I don't know explain talk about uh, it uh, 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 (laughs) oh 
Faster. He just peed himself. No, it was number two. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish our audience on the future radio could see the face he just pulled. It was a good one. It was a really good face. So um, the reason it isn't bollocks is that it's better written than the first of the Nemo books. The Nemo's not hard. hard. No. Um, it is back to doing the classic league thing of smashing a whole bunch of stuff together in a way that's fun rather than doing at the mountains of madness in a kind of shit way. Is it racist? Uh, if you're German, yeah, sure. Um, no, so basically the basic plot is that Karl Rottwang, the uh, mad scientist in Metropolis, basically rebuilt Berlin in the image of Metropolis and then... Adenoid Hinkle, the uh, dictator from The Great Dictator, the Chaplin film, has risen to power in mid-20th century Europe and is okay. going to cross things. So it sort of it borrows far more from film than from literature mm-hmm. this time round, and it borrows a lot from German Expressionism. So it, it uh, Dr. Mabuse, um, Metropolis, obviously. No, I just made a face because you were talking about German Expressionism. You don't That's like German Expressionism? I, that's kind of what I don't I dislike it. it. It's like, oh god, you pulled the German expressionism card. I did, yeah, yeah. Sorry. So there's cabinet of Doctor Doctor Calgary is in there a lot as well. I always really um, wanted to stage a production of When We Dead Awaken, but with a German expressionist style set. There's still time. We live in Cambridge. Anything is possible. Yeah, this is true. Just fucking hire the Corpus Playroom and be done with it. I don't like the shape. Understandable. But anyway, to my mind, it's not. It's not a it's not a great work, but it's better than Century and it's better than the last Nemo book. It mm. felt much more like a classic League of Extraordinary Gentlemen story, which probably isn't what interests Alan more, but it was uh it was fun. It was actually fun. I haven't had fun reading one of his books in all the Well that's time. good, because recently it seems like mostly what we what interests him is absolutely fucking tone death self justification. There is there is that. He Oops. has done a little bit of that. Um but this is quite Sorry, nice. I'm still angry about that, although he... I shouldn't be. No. He, and at his best, he is genuinely a fantastic writer. Yes, mm-hmm. but in case anyone wasn't aware, Alan Moore can sometimes be a cantankerous old shit. That's true, he can. That's true. Um, I read something called The Auteur, which was the first issue. Um, basically about a horrible film producer, and it's... I think... As in a... Horrible person who produces films, or a person who produces horrible films. No, he's both of those. He's a okay. horrible person who produces horrible films. He's a film producer who's had a series of massive hits with ridiculous high concept shit, um, and he's looking for universal truth while also making terrible shit. He's going on vision quests with Snake Venom. Um, wow. It is a series of very stupid gags about a terrible man trying to make an awful film in which a man who looks like first Ronald Reagan and then Abraham Lincoln with an axe carves up a load of teenagers. Interesting. Um, Not Abraham Lincoln. No. Is that a real thing? It's a thing that at least one person is dressed up as. Dear God. It's fine. It's not fine. Nothing can ever be fine again. Um, I liked it. It's a bit like Chew. It both looks like Chew and has the same sort of anarchic um, sense that the early issues of Chew did. It doesn't mm. feel like it's going to have as much of an arc plot or perhaps go on as long, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun. Is Chew bounded? Is it finite? Yes. We're halfway through at this point. Fucking hell, I was hoping we were close to the end. I, I love it, but it has gone wonky. 
Well, it's in Act 2 at that point, so presumably Act 3 that's going to ramp things up a bit. Act 2 is the big flabby one where you can do kind of whatever you like for as long as you want. Jokes about chickens. That's not universal. That's mostly in Chew. Okay. Like, if you're writing anything, Act 2 does not have to have jokes about chickens. I mean, that's just the formula of my work. It does. (laughs) Well, you know, that's that's what makes Hamlet a fucking classic. Absolutely. That's true. I mean, acts two through four are just chicken jokes all the way. One and five just kind of sandwich it out either end. Hamlet is basically a KFC product offering yeah. in this conception. Who would have known the old man had so much poultry in him? Absolutely. Well, before we get on to five-act structure versus three-act structure in, you know... Chicken format. Yeah, I was thinking, like, the Zinger burger versus the Zinger tower burger. Oh, yeah. Or the bargain right. bucket. Basically, nobody's favourite act is the hash brown, even though the hash brown at its own is a perfectly good it's, food. It's actually a good addition to a burger. Yeah. Um, I can't... But no, the thing, no, the no, thing that we're going to get to eventually is the joke about adding bacon, and we don't need that, so uh, let's fuck, move on. Fuck bacon. Fuck bacon as a concept, and fuck bacon as a kind of cultural touchstone for a subset of nerds. It, okay, that really does fuck me off. But there's now, there's now a software dev conference called Devs Love Bacon. Jesus. I can't I just, Shakespeare. Uh, Conspiracy yeah, theories. Well, yeah, sure, sorry. Ba- bacon is an overused, overused yeah. cultural touchstone for a particular. Oh, just piss off! Bacon is tasty. It's not transcendently tasty. It's too salty. It, bad bacon is disgusting. Good bacon is hard to come by. Fuck off! And it's not a community, and it's not a revelation, and it should not be bringing you together. No, and you but should it not be, be using used it as a cut through sheet steel. Interesting. If you use uh, an engineering grade bacon. Engineering grade bacon. There's a wonderful YouTube video of someone building a thermal lance with strips of bacon. Mm-hmm. So um, you have something that forms a core that oxidizes very quickly if you blast either enriched air or oxygen through it. Mm-hmm. So they use prosciutto, which they call a um, special engineering grade bacon, to of build course. the core and then wrap bacon around the edge. And yes, using something that is ba- the ingredient, using something the ingredients of which are oxygen, bacon, and fire, cut through sheet steel is quite cool. We'll put it in the show notes. How much of the work is being done by oxygen and fire, and how much of the work is being done by bacon? Almost all. The bacon is providing kind of a wick effect and some of the fat. Okay, sure. Well, like, again, the fire isn't really an ingredient in that context, because yada, yada, yada. Mm. The bacon is burning and the oxygen is doing the lifting. Okay. Thank you for that. I also read a comic. Um, Yay! I think it's become magnificently obvious that we don't care. You got me this comic for my birthday. And you imagine that thing. Go on. <laughs> Very quick. Sabretooth Swordsman. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Oh, right. Oh, Jesus Christ. You're now a terrible he cares. person. You're, no, you're no. a bad man. I know. I got you I spicy know. bum hole for your birthday. Chilies. She bought me chilies. It's not like a terrible massage parlor or something. Um, Sabretooth so, um, Swordsman looked. So I picked this up also in Dave's in Brighton. And I picked it up because it looked like precisely the kind of thing at that intersection I find quite interesting of stuff that you would really like and I can't fucking stand. Yeah, so I really liked it. Um, it kind of looks like Craig Thompson is drawing a ridiculous comic about a man who turns into a tiger with a fez and carves a whole load of people up with a sword. Interesting. It's really it's just, sarcastic. It is. It's really sarcastic. It's a really sort of stupid mishmash of kung fu tropes, video game tropes, and... But not in an obnoxious way, not not sort of completely oversold, it's more just like... That was a yawn rather than a frowny it, face, by the way. For those of you listening at home, you can't see my face. No. Um, but it, it's got that kind of, not Ramayan, but the kind of, like, slightly phoned-in bad Bollywood Indian legend feel. 
Yes, in places. And then it goes off in completely other ways in other places. Um, it's not tonally consistent. It's one of those ridiculous things where there is no um, no motivation other than he wants to do a thing. And to do so, he essentially walks from left to right, hitting things along the way. It's not, um, it's not as though there is a motivation to do thing one, two, three, four, five. They're just a series of things that must be confronted. So it's, it's like a... a classically structured quest but for idiots um, and I mean that in the best possible way it's a lot of fun it's really a lot of fun it looks great the artwork's amazing it's this sort of densely packed hyperkinetic um, thing it does look a bit like Craig Thompson with thick very precise line work um, and it's glorious it's really glorious I loved it I'm glad happy birthday so this week's actual topic is myth or realistically given how long we've already talked for it's the start of myth or myth part one mr hart introduce myth it's a set of stories some of them explain stuff no right a lot so, of people die so a lot of fucking there's been an awful lot of um well, it's basically a, true blood yeah there's been a very high ambient loki level recently which, which I think has, has got us all thinking about... Folks might have noticed a certain amount of Tom Hiddleston in the water. I think it's because mm. uh, Tumblr wants to have sex with Loki. Yes, they do. It doesn't really matter what form he's in. I mean, I imagine most, not all, most of Tumblr is probably quite squeamish about Kid Loki, but, uh, you know, Hiddleston... I think many prefer the Hiddleston. Yeah, I mean, Hiddleston or Sex Loki or... Um, I don't know what Johanna, Johanna, Joanne Harris's Loki looks like, but the way he sounds, I definitely do him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, as a slight tangent from comics, just because this is a another interesting modern version of myth, Joan Harris has just written the Gospel of Loki, which is all of the, the basically the Norse, the main Norse uh, mythology rewritten as uh, as it's from Loki's perspective, in which he slightly casts himself as the hero or horrifically misunderstood or maligned, and it's all really cleverly done and it's good it's genuinely really very good um, and it reminded me of what Gillen, Kieran Gillen's Loki would sound like with a few years on him um, it's got a very similar sarcastic tone she's willfully cast it in a contemporary idiom which I love um, it's not the sort of look to camera ha-ha pop music reference that Gillen doesn't stops just short of going in for or goes in for a couple of times let's be honest um but it's um, I did, did. yeah. She, you she, can um, always imagine him stabbing the return key yeah. with because fuck you. That's why. So she was um, Jan Harris was slapping someone down on, on Twitter the other day. She's she gives good social media um, for um, for criticizing her for using modern language, and she pointed out all myths are originally written in modern language. Now that may not be strictly true, but all folk tales, are like, oral history, is inherently in, in its contemporary language. Whatever we have, yeah, is, yeah. is collections of oral history. Um, and actually, the whole sort of making it sort of cod sound slightly older thing is pretty much a Victorian affectation. And it's a recipe for worse writing. Yeah, I, I, I'd far rather this. But it, it's tremendous fun, and it's fun in a way that the Gillen Loki and sorry, I can't remember your name, author Sex Loki is. Al Ewing. And whatever, sex Loki. Mm, sex Loki. I'm going to show you a picture of Al Ewing in a minute, and you can imagine him writing those scenes. Um, and so the, the movie Loki is, is kind of different. He, he doesn't behave in the same way, but you can. Anyway, that's not. Um, Joanne Harris does a very good job of evincing 
this kind of mythic figure in a semi-contemporary way and very much so for a contemporary audience and it's it's that kind of as 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 the marvel thor and loki comics sort of a bit are um sort of mythopoetic slant where you are taking he's giving you the mythopoetic look yeah, i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to okay Right, sorry. He's going to shoot his mythopoetic wad right at the microphone. Um, where you are collaging existent myths or building synthetic myths as opposed to kind of myth, which is fucking myth, mythos. Like, stories that explain the world, stories that make the world tractable, story, original stories of cultures versus either synth- synthetic or collaged things that behave in the same way. Um, so I think this is probably something we're going to have to come back to at a later date, but... There are examples everywhere of successful and unsuccessful ways of doing this in comics. So one of the reasons I really want to read The Encyclopedia of Early Earth is that it is both, from from the way you guys have described it, it is both mythic and mythopoetic. So it is synthetic myth, but it sounds like a very fine job of synthesizing actual myth. Yes, I, I would say so, because there's kind of a an overarching myth of Birdman and his kids, which are sort of... Uh, Omnipresent in all the om- cultures om- we yeah. encounter. And and broadly we are talking about... We're talking about things that are derived from the Middle East up to about 1000 AD. It is, it is taken from Christian and Muslim culture for the most part. And I there are other bits as well. My distinction is is certainly fairly forced, and I'm sure it's possible for things to sort of cross across the the lines. But um, so we we talked about Greek Street earlier, which I think is is kind of a bad example of trying to do this. Um, well, yes. it's trying to recast flashcard syndrome. Yeah, it's trying to recast Greek myths in a modern setting, and it sort of so it's not like a frat house comedy. Unfortunately, not. When no, you say Greek Street, it's, it's literally set on Greek Street in Soho. Okay. Um, Sounds okay. a bit Greek. Well, hey, let's do Greek myth. But it's not a. Are we talking psychogeography or? No, not even. Okay. It's not that coherent. No, it's, it's not even a coherent view of Soho because it's set in the present day and it's sort of seventies Soho. We're going to make it right. sound much worse than it actually is. It is at its worst merely dull and a bit scrappy. But when you start to put a kind of clawing at the mythic aspects hat on it gets a lot worse okay. also it's it's dealing with and we'll probably talk about this in more detail at some other point but it's it's dealing with the kind of key Greek tragedies rather than the original Greek myths and I know that right. I know they're mixed up but it's it's broadly speaking a deeply incoherent retelling of the themes of the Theban plays with a little bit of the curse of the house of the Atreus and a slightly mental intrusion of Medea why because Greek it just doesn't feel coherent the the main problem it doesn't hang so here's here's my problem with that because if if you're going to do a mixed bag of Greek plays as your kind of structure you need to find a thing for them to hang on also a structure so the trouble is so the the structure of the Greek myths is that they are a little bit fably there there are single big stories that are telling big important truths like don't think you're fucking invincible, don't um, mm. pay attention, don't fuck your mum, that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely um, don't fuck your mum, that's always bad news. Yeah. Um, and trying to turn those people into characters that can 
interact and have their own um, their own wants and desires and interact alongside one another doesn't fucking work because they're too big and um, they're too big on their own to really mesh together in the sort of way that they've attempted to do which is just shove them all in contemporary setting in, in kind of the same way that Fables does mm. but, but without any of the joy yeah it's kind of it's kind of humorless okay um yeah, there's little bits, but there's also... The stripper chorus is kind of fun. Sort of. It also feels kind of... Stripper chorus. Yeah, the, the, there's a Greek chorus which is... It centers around a strip club. The choric aspect is strippers. How problematic is that in terms of portrayals of sex workers and gender in comics? Really very, and that's not even the worst bit. Interesting. There's a lot of boob, there's a lot of male gaze stuff going on there. Yeah. And my personal favourite piece of I don't think they were paying attention is there's a character called Daedalus um, who um, has his personal life repeatedly called out to him by um, some other characters as that labyrinth you've made. And he's secretly gay and his boyfriend is a burly black dude. Implicit minotaur. Bad cultural politics. Really bad cultural politics. Your boyfriend is a minotaur doesn't work well given the, any race for said it's boyfriend. Just, no, it's, but that's particularly it's just, bad. Yeah, it's, it's fucked. It's real fucked. And it, it's, it's a throwaway and it doesn't dwell on it, but oh, that gave me pause. Yes. Unlike the minotaur which would be pawing you. Well, it, hooves. Mm. Hooves or paws for a minotaur? Hooves. Who's, on the bottom half, and yeah, then big the, hairy hands on the top. Big hairy hands. Like that guy in Father Ted. Do you reckon yeah. the Dartmoor hairy hands were actually a minotaur? I don't know about the Dartmoor hairy hands. Is this a thing you get when you're in the southwest? This is, this is, this is like a... I, I thought it was a very prominent myth, but I mean, I did grow up sort of within sight of Dartmoor, so maybe it's only a prominent myth down there, but it's not, it's not a myth exactly. It's a kind of creepy story, but... um. Early twenties, some people, early sort of days of motor cars, they they'd gone out to Dartmoor, and there's a pair of hairy hands knock on the car that they're trying to sleep in, and it's creepy as fuck. Oh, the fairly standard, yeah, intrusion, yeah, uncanny kids don't canoodle in the woods story. Yeah, pretty much. Dartmoor's fucking great for myths, actually. I can imagine. Ah, oh, so much good stuff. So. Greek Street. I think another one of the problems is that there's no... Fables does the same thing, right? But it recasts the characters as people with believable motivations interaction with one another. And I find it too twee and I find it too smug, but it isn't bad by any stretch. But it's a lot better handled than this. Mm. And so part of the the thing that Greek Street has going on is that, you know, you're fated to do this stuff, you're going to, that's that's the nature of it. Without and this any is played real out understanding of how that generates tragedy. So that might come later, but it certainly doesn't come in the stuff that I've read. Um, and it just means you have a load of people doing shit for no reason. Um, which is not Yeah. How That's kind of the opposite of the point works. of myth as well. Yeah. A bunch of people doing a bunch of shit for no reason is, is not what they were going for with the whole explanations of why things are thing. So I think that sort of really over-literal use of existing myth in comics is not great. If you contrast it to something like the Marvel stuff where you have... For Sandman. Fucking Sandman. Which, I mean, is one of the most interesting and elaborate mythopoetic works of literature I've encountered. Um, But also does a really, really good job of collaging pre-extant myths whilst avoiding what I think of as flashcard syndrome. Yeah. Or cultural appropriation. Yeah. 
broadly speaking, like, where you just like the Harry Potter films, the Harry Potter, particularly the early ones. Sorry, late ones. All of them except the third one. The third um, one was good and yes. weird. The, the Harry Potter films are basically a series of flashcards about moments you remember from the book. They're completely incoherent as films. If you haven't read the books, you can't really watch them. It's a PowerPoint presentation about why you should recognise this scene from the book. It's not a film. And the only person to not do that was Alfonso Cuaron. Guy who directed the third one. Oh. Right. And Gravity, fact fans. Interesting. Didn't know that. Yeah. Is there a sort of choir of dwarves in that as well? And a pendulum for no reason? I don't think so. It's okay. Just he's Sandra moved on Bullock. as a director. Okay. It's, no, he's narrowed his focus to pretty much Sandra Bullock and, Interesting. and the infinite blackness of space and raw terror. But yeah, Greek Street feels like flashcards for Greek tragedy, whereas um, Sandman Fables feel like a genuinely intelligent synthesis of pre-existing cultural tropes. Yeah, Fables doesn't care as much. Sandman does some smart things about fitting its overarching framework into existing myth, like Sandman is... Uh, sorry, Dream is uh, Apollo, for example. But he's explicitly not, but he is and he understands why yeah. you think he is. Yeah. Um, and that is a better, more interesting structure to me, and mm. it's a lot more enjoyable, and it doesn't just... One of the, one of the problems is that Greek Street, if you... If you don't know the myth, then why are these people acting this way? And if you do, why are these people acting this way? Yeah. Um, it, it makes absolutely cockle sense either way. I don't want to, yeah, I, I don't want to dick swing about a textual acquaintance, but I was just saying, no, that, no, that's wrong. Or if it's not wrong, it's being, what, what, what's this? No, you're not, ah. I think with, um, well, yeah, the thing that I was clumsily trying to say before is with Greek myth, the the themes of each individual story are too big and too pronounced to cope with being sort of fluffed at the edges in that way. Whereas with something like Thor, you can go, do you know what? He broadly likes justice, drinking and hitting shit with hammers. Go nuts within that framework. Well, oh, do I agree with you? Not to, so... There's a bunch of the Greek stuff that you can trot out... Maybe I do agree with you, I'm not sure. Uh, that you can trot out through a fairly heavy lens. An attempt to do it lightly does not work. Is the thing standing between you guys being superheroes and you guys not a love of justice? Because you like drinking, and I assume you would enjoy hitting things with hammers as well. I don't really like hitting things with hammers. Whenever I try, I normally hit my hand and... If you hit things with hammers that you're not trying to actively use the hammer as a tool, apart from for destruction, you'd probably quite enjoy that. As, maybe. A, as a beer festival seller, and I hit a lot of things with hammers. Mm. He's much closer to Thor than I am. That's true. I spent a lot of time. He's also in much less just. That's true. Yeah. Together we could be a shit superhero. I'd like to see that. I mean, we can just wander outside and hit some guys. See how that works. Vigilante justice. No, just like whoever we see. Just vigilanteism. Yeah. No, really. No, just, 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 just us pointless getting, violence. Getting beaten soundly for no good reason. Okay. We're not, Sounds pretty we're not good as well. Fight. I'd watch no, that. I've, have you ever been? I've never been in a fight. I have, but not, not well. You won the fight, did you not? For any capacity of winning a scrappy teenage fight, I guess. I'd, You're a hero. Hooray! I certainly felt heroic after. Grappling with someone for about ten minutes outside a chip shop in Saffron Walden. I think I've, uh, I've taken a lot of revenge, but I've not been in a fight. Ruenge. 
I don't think we should continue down that path because then you might have to revenge on us. <laughs> Do and revenge. Do and revenge. It's never present risk. Mm. So we, we, I mean, we're, we're fussing at the edges of a lot of this. Um, and we're kind of slanging up Greek Street, which I didn't really want to because... We don't like slagging things off. Well, it's not out. It's also not out and out bad. It's just kind of clumsy and bits of it are fun. But there's a lot more to cover here. I really want to talk at length about Sandman. I want to um, talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Um, you I want, want to, to know why. Find out next time. Yeah. No. Um, you want to? Um, you, you would like to tell us about Norseman? Probably. I also have a really bad illustrated version of the Irish Book of Invasions, which I might talk about, because it's fucking hilarious. I want to talk about the collision of ego and myth. I want to talk about Ooh. myth as personal narrative. Ooh. That's, that's what gets me juiced up downstairs. I, I want to hear about that. Yeah, it's, nothing, it's nothing transformational. You got a tiny preview? I would have told you in a bar in Cambridge ten years ago, as well. Well, I sure as fuck would have listened to that. Um... What we're basically saying is that uh, next week's is going to be far better than this one. Oh, I don't know. I don't I, know. I, I, we, I, we did actually talk semi-coherently about comics on this one. I mean, that's a, an achievement. And now we've got very little incentive to actually do any reading for next week because we can probably just, like, free freewheel this shit. Yeah, next week's going to be the, the bullshit. Next week's the week I ain't going to do the reading. I think maybe, maybe we should try and do some reading. Come back next week for a mixture of uh, the Cambridge Tragedy Paper and dick jokes. <laughs>